word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. So John, when he sets out to write about the life of Jesus, he begins and he says in chapter one, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. And so this morning, we're continuing this series that we've been in called Someday at Christmas, which is really a series about longings, as Dan mentioned last week, because Christmas has this ability to surface some of the deepest longings that we have within us. So just to start, just I want you to ask yourself a question. What is it that you long for at Christmas? What is it that you long for? Not just what is it that you want, but what is it that you long for? Because there's no shortage of wants at Christmas, right? All Mariah Carey wants for Christmas is you. Yes. You're so tired of the song, you didn't even want to say the word. Yes. But maybe all that you want for Christmas is, you know, one of those brand new trucks in your driveway with a red bow on it, or a plate of those cookies with the Hershey Kisses in the middle that you can just eat all day. What is it not just that you want? What is it that you long for? One of my favorite authors, Frederick Buechner, also a, a pastor, he says this about longing. Here's how he describes it. He says that to long is to yearn for a long time for something that is a long way off and something that we feel we belong to and that belongs to us. Let me read that again because there's a lot there. That to long is to yearn for a long time for something, something that is a long way off and something that we feel we belong to and that belongs to us. So what, what is that for you? What is it that you long for? Maybe you just long this season to be with your loved ones. Maybe you long for one to love. Maybe you long for the end of global conflict and political tension. Maybe, maybe you long, like Dan talked about last week, you, lo you long for justice to reign. Maybe you long for some relationships in your life that have been torn. Maybe you long for those to be made whole. The promise of Christmas is that someday, through the arrival of someone, some of our deepest longings will actually be fulfilled. You know what it is that I long for at Christmas? I long for home, right? I long, I long to be home. Anyone else, do you just long, have this sense, this longing for home at Christmas? You know, home is an elusive concept. I understand that. It's a complex one, too, that, that home is a place, but it's also a feeling. That, that home is furniture, but it's also people, Maybe there's a home in your past that was this idyllic home and you long for a bit of that home to be true today. Maybe for you, the home that you grew up in was anything but the perfect home. And so the, ho the home that you long for now is everything that your home growing up wasn't. Maybe, 
And this is a season where you long for home because you're just not home very much. Maybe you're working long hours. You're trying to finish the year strong. You're chasing your kids from event to event. You're traveling, and so you're just missing home. Maybe for you, you've been in transition, so long for you, home for you this year looks different. Maybe you're trying to figure out what home is. Q. Bing Crosby, right? I'll be where for Christmas? You know that one. Yeah. I'll be home for Christmas. For me, to be honest, I don't just long to be home. I long to be in a certain place in my home, right? You have that place? It's my favorite cozy place. I long to be in the living room. I long to be in my cozy sweater. It's why I wore this today, because it's nice and cozy. It makes me feel just nice and warm and comfortable. I long to be in that cozy nook on my couch. You know what I really long for at home at Christmas? I long for a fire in the fireplace, right? nice, isn't that? I just want to kind of sit next to that. You know, it's, it's not quite complete because for, for a fire at a fireplace, so at Christmas to be complete, we need a little stock and a little decoration there. Just, does that feel better? Yeah. You know what else I long for? I long for Christmas music. Could we... There we go. I long for a little snow falling outside the window. We can't make that happen today. But just imagine. But if I could make something happen. I long for my pastor to serve me cookies and cider. Isn't this home? Do you feel at home yet? You know what? You know what? Just, just take a minute. You probably haven't had a moment to do this yet. Just, just, just sit back. Just make yourself at home. Go ahead, go ahead. Just take a few seconds. That's it. Yeah. You, want it, you want it back? Can we, there we go. Can we bring the music? There we go. There we go. Okay, that's it. That's all you get, right? You know what? You know why? That's not really possible. And even if it is, it just lasts for a moment. We all, we all, we all know that. There's not even anything in this cup, right? <laughs> but, but as I was thinking about this, why? Why is it that I long for these things? Why is it that I long for all of those things? I think it's because those things represent what I long my, for my home to give me at Christmas. That I long, I long for peace, I long for blissful togetherness with my family. I long for comfort. I long for joy. I long for all of the things that our homes in their most perfect and complete sense are meant to give us. I long for those things because those are the things that don't exist apart from my home. Those those are the things that we want an escape from the world to get an escape from so that we can experience those things. And so for you, just as you think about what, what does home mean to you? In its most perfect sense, just think for a second. Maybe if you're watching from home, talk it over with a friend that you're watching with. What does home mean to you? You know, I think we can all, we can kind of bucket all of these things, whatever's rising up in your mind or in your heart. I think when we think of home, we think of what it provides for us, that home gives us a shelter, obviously, right? Not just, not just a physical shelter, but an emotional shelter, that it protects us from the dangers and the stresses of our role. This is what we look for in our home, that home gives us security, 
that when we are home, we experience peace, something we long for, that home gives us significance, that we're accepted in our home, that we feel value and worth in our home, even if we don't depart from it. This is what we want our home to be. And home, and home, home gives us a sense of future, a possibility that this is where our stories unfold. I know, it doesn't start with the same letter. I just couldn't make it happen. But, right, right this, is, this is what we long for our homes to be. And, and, and who could blame us for longing for our home to be those things? God certainly wouldn't. And if it feels too impossible for us to have a home that embodies those things, Christmas is when God reminds us that someday we will be home. That someday we will experience that kind of shelter and security and significance and that kind of a future even. And that someday someone will come who can make that happen. And that's what the introduction to John's gospel tells us. That someone did come. And I love the start to John's gospel because he tells the Christmas story totally different from Matthew and Luke. Matthew and Luke talk about it from Joseph and Mary's perspective. They talk about, about you know, shepherds and a baby and angels and the sky, angelic encounters and, and uh, magi from the east. They tell it kind of in this, in this narrative fashion. But John comes at, comes at the Christmas story totally different. He comes at it from this high heavenly viewpoint, this perspective of what was happening in the world. And I love that he comes at it that way. He says that the word of God, speaking of Jesus, who was both with God, who, I'm sorry, who was God, and was also with God, speaking of the heavenly father, came into our world. And this, that, that God became human. This is, we have a word for this. It's the incarnation, right? That God became human. But Jesus didn't just become something. Jesus, as God, stepped into something, that heaven entered the earth. That the painter painted himself into his own painting. That Jesus left his home in heaven to make a new home on earth with us here. Jesus left his home to make a new home. Have you ever left your home before, like moved away from your home and gone to a, a new home that you would make your home? You ever packed up your things and left and, and felt all the feelings of what that was like when you're leaving everything that's familiar behind? I have a couple experiences of this in my life. The first time I did this, I was five, and it's not because my family was moving. It's because I was moving away from them. I decided I had had it with my older brothers and my parents always telling me what to do, so I took my backpack and I threw in a few toys and some underwear and told them I was leaving. My mom was completely unfazed. She said, you might want to take a toothbrush but I didn't. <laughs> and as I was walking down the street, I made it a few homes and I saw my friends out in their front yard playing and I says, well, that looks a lot more fun than trying to find one of those jobs. So I'll just jump in with them and I was home in time for dinner. That's my first experience of leaving home. But later on in life, it was after college, I was a new graduate of the great Truman State University and I uh, loaded everything I had into my Ford Escort I didn't have much. And I pulled out from my home in St. Louis that I'd lived in from, for 20 years to start a new job in Arkansas, to move away from the security of my parents. I remember driving down Interstate 55 and just thinking about everything that I was leaving behind, the security of my parents, the, the home that was the only home that I had ever known, the girl that I wanted to marry, the group of friends 
that I had done so much life in college with who had all moved back to St. Louis to start new jobs and hang out together on the weekends. And I was leaving that to go to this place called Arkansas that I had never been to before to start a job that I wasn't really sure I even really wanted. And I was so consumed in kind of the the fear and the questions and the anxiety that I was just driving down 55, I stopped paying attention to the brake lights in front of me and I actually ran into the back of a tractor trailer. The Ford Escort and I were okay. But that was a hard moment. And I actually remember calling my mom and just saying, I just, I just want to come home. That was, that was how hard it was for me to leave St. Louis. What was it like for Jesus to leave heaven? Because Jesus left the familiarity of life too. He left people. He left close relationships. He left the proximity that he had with his father. And the home that he moved into was a home, a world of hostility and pain, of sickness and betrayal and hurt. And all the things that we want our homes to be a haven from is, are the very things that Jesus was willing to leave his home in heaven and move into. And why would he do that? Why would Jesus leave heaven for this earth well, he did it for us. That, that if you think God is unaware of where you are, if you think that God is unaware of the pains of this world or of your life that you find yourself living in every single day, that Christmas is a time when God wants us to know that he comes to us, that he is a God who leaves his home in heaven and will step into your home, who will step into your world, no matter what that looks like. And I think there's a few reasons why he does this. I want to walk through these for us today. That that Jesus left his home. And he did so, first of all, he did so because of the home that we once had. Jesus left his home in heaven because of the home that we once had. That this longing that you and I have for home, this universal longing, do you know where it comes from? C.S. Lewis, um, he actually talks about how every longing we have is evidence that something exists to satisfy the longing that we have. He talks about a baby being born hungry. That hunger is evidence that there exists such a thing as food. He says a duck has a desire, a longing to swim because there's such a thing as water. And he writes that if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, then the most probable explanation is that I was made for another country. He says, if, if, in other words, if we have a desire for a home, a home that it seems like no home in this world, that nothing that exists on Zillow or in our story or in our future can actually satisfy, then the most possible explanation is that we were made for a different kind of home, right? Our deep spiritual longing for home is actually a home sickness, we could say, for a home that we once knew that is embedded deep within our story. And we know the story of that home, the story of Eden. We talked a little bit about it last week, that when God created the world, he created a special corner of it just for Adam and Eve to call home where everything was perfect. They had shelter, they had security, they had significance, they had a future there, except that Adam and Eve didn't believe that it was so perfect. So they did the unthinkable, they turned their back on God, they ate of the fruit, they believed the lies of the serpent. And then that perfect home that we were all meant to live in was lost, was gone. And in Genesis it says, so the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. 
And after sending them out, the Lord God stationed a mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden, and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. That God kicked them out. He put the eviction notice in the form of cherubim and a, and a flaming sword to keep them from coming back into this perfect home that he created for them. And every time I read this, I'm like, God, that feels a little extreme, doesn't it? They made one wrong choice. And you kicked them out. You banished them. And now all of humanity is forced to live in the consequences of their decision. You ever feel like that? Like, why would you banish them, God? And I think the reason he does this is because God knew something. God knew that Adam and Eve had already left their home with them even before he ever banished them from it. You see, because being home with God is always about a relationship before it's ever about a place. And God knew that Adam and Eve, when they, when they made that decision to turn their backs on God, Adam and Eve said, you know what, we're not gonna make our home with you, God. And so God says, okay, then I'm just gonna continue to not require you to do that. And he kicks them out. He gives them a physical consequence for the decision that they had made about their relationship with him. Because God wanted them to learn what home truly is. He wants that for us too. In fact, right here, right here on page two of the Bible, right about here, that's the extent of the perfect home that we had with God. The rest of scripture is the story of God's people searching for a home that with Abraham, we flip over several pages, that Abraham, that he left his home for a future home, a new home in the land of Canaan. It's the Hebrew people who were enslaved in Egypt away from their home in Canaan for several hundred years. And then finally freed, but before they can get into the promised land that God has promised to give them as their new home, he makes them spend 40 years wandering in the desert. It's the Israelites having their home in Jerusalem destroyed and then living in exile in Babylon, kind of the 70-year timeout that God gives them. And in every part of this story, the people are crying out to God for home, and he promises to bring them home. But in each of these situations, God was more concerned about the home that his people would make in their relationship with him than God was about a physical home that they wanted from him. Do you get that? Yeah. You see that? That God wanted them to learn what home truly was. It wasn't a place. It was a relationship. That's what he wants for us too. That God wants you and I to make our home in a relationship with him. And if you think about yourself, what is it, I wonder? What is it that you were tempted to make your home in besides God? How do you know? Well, just put these four words back on the screen. That shelter, that security, what is it that you look to to give you these things? Because whatever it is that you dwell on is what you dwell in. That whatever you long to give you shelter, a sense of security and peace, of protection, of significance, of acceptance, of value and worth, or the future, whatever you look to to give you those things, that's where you make your home. And so as you think about your own life, what do you look to to give you those things? Maybe it is, in fact, your physical home. Maybe you make your home in your career. Maybe you make your home in the stock market. Maybe you make your home simply scrolling social media to be your source of comfort. Maybe you are making your home in yourself because you are the only one that you think you can trust to give you those things. Maybe you find yourself in something that you would rather not find your home in. 
like an addiction or an anxiety or in a spirit of envy for those around you. You find yourself living there. This is why Jesus came. Because he knew that anything that we make our home other than God is a faint shadow of the perfect home long ago that God created us to have. That's the home that we lost. But Jesus knew that that home wasn't lost forever. He came so that we would know that home. But Jesus also left his home because of the home that we will have. He says, that was the home of your past, but there is a future home that Jesus wants us to know about, that he came into our world so that he could, that Jesus often spoke of a home that is to come. Has there ever been a home that you've looked forward to living in? Maybe you've moved houses from time to time. You've made a transition. You upgraded from an apartment to your first home, whatever it may be. You downgraded from your life home to wherever you were going to retire, and you just had this sense of excitement and expectation of the home that was to come. When our family moved, before we lived in Kansas City, we lived in Minneapolis. So St. Louis, follow me, Arkansas, Minneapolis, Kansas City, we're done. We moved up to Minneapolis and uh, we vastly underestimated how hard it was gonna be to find a home and move into it. The housing market was tough like it has been for so long. We were considering every living option we could. We didn't have any family or friends in the area and after several tries and offers, we were convinced that we would never get a contract. We finally did, but the only reason we did is because we were the only buyers who would agree to the seller's terms, which were kind of incredible. And one of them were that, that, that they wanted to continue to live in the home for several months after they had sold it to us, after we closed on it. And so our family of six lived in three different less than ideal temporary arrangements. We never thought the day would come that when we would actually get the keys to our home. And then when we were sitting in the closing office and we signed that last document, you know that stack that's about that thick? When we signed that last piece of paper, I looked over and my wife is just crying. It's not like a little cry, it was like a pretty, a pretty good cry. And the closing agents, they, they didn't quite know what to do, but it was this surreal moment. It was so special because it was one that we didn't think would ever actually come. We were so excited to finally move into the home that had been promised to us. Jesus often spoke of a home that's promised to us. One of those moments is in John 14. It's near the end of a few years Jesus spent with his disciples, and during that whole time, Jesus' disciples literally made their home with him. That, that Jesus lived with his disciples, he spent time with his disciples, that they traveled the countryside together with Jesus, they walked together, they ate together, they slept beside the road under the sky at night together. For three years, the disciples' home was physically with Jesus. Can you imagine for a second what that was like? Maybe you're not much of a walker, maybe you like the comfort of your bed, but still, just think. For that long, just to be home with Jesus? And then, the night before Jesus is crucified, he tells his disciples that he is leaving them, which you can imagine was a pretty disturbing thing for the disciples to hear. The one that they had made their home with was leaving them. And so Jesus says to them, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and I will get you so that you will always be with me where I am. So in this moment, this long speech we call kind of the upper room discourse, Jesus' last night with his disciples, he tells them, fellas, this has been great. 
really has, but, but there's another home to come in the heaven that I, that I need to go to. I need to go get, get it ready for you, and that home is one that we will get to live in together forever. Now, I could understand in that moment, the disciples rarely understood what Jesus was talking about, but, and they clearly didn't in this passage if you read on, but, but even if they did, I could understand that the disciples were less than excited about this. I mean, don't get me wrong. An eternal future home in heaven, that sounds great. But I'd kind of rather have this nice home now, not the elusive future. You know, and if I had my choice, and I think if the disciples had their choice, they would have rather had a home with Jesus right then and there than having to wait for a long time to be at home sometime off in the future. See, we struggle with this. We, we, even when it comes to heaven, that we struggle to let the future, the satisfaction of the future, trump the satisfaction of our present. And so as Jesus is saying, hey, I'm leaving, peace. Is that how you do it? I don't know. No, okay. But we'll see you again. And I'll get everything ready for you. And there's a lot of confusion about what does that mean? What's he talking about? And he, is he fluffing the pillows? Is he building up the house? Is he setting the towels for us like maybe you are right now for your guests that are coming over this week? Um, he's actually talking about him going to the cross. That he's preparing the way. He's making a way possible for us to even get to that heaven, that home in the first place. And he says, when it's ready, I'm going to come and get you. I don't think there's work to be done in heaven. I think the work to be done is right here on us. And he's helping us get ready for the home that he's making for us. Now, back to this dilemma, home in the future or home now. Why is this important? The disciples, the disciples didn't quite light up at this, and maybe you and I don't too, but later on in this passage, Jesus says to his disciples that night, and he says to us too, he says, you don't actually have to choose home in the future or home now. He says, yes, I'm going into heaven to make a home for you, but I'm sending my Holy Spirit to make his home in you, and when you and I share this relationship together that we're going to continue to do, when you make your home in me and I make my home in you, then this relationship is how you can visit that future heavenly one day home today. That you can actually visit the home I'm making for you today because of the relationship that I have for you. This is what happens when we pray. This is, this is what happens when we worship this is what happens when we spend time with God and his word. This is what happens when we serve in his name, that we are leaning deep into our relationship with Jesus and we're actually accessing the home that he is preparing for us. We're accessing the relationship, the witness that he has with us. And that's ultimately what heaven is. It's being with Jesus. See, we don't actually have to wait for the home that is to come someday because we have a home today. This is the last thing, that Jesus left his home because of the home that we can have now, that you and I can have now. But just like with Adam and Eve, God lets us make the choice of whether we want that home or not. God loves us too much. This is something we sometimes misunderstand. God loves us too much to, to ever force us into a relationship with him. He's never gonna lock us inside the home and say, you can never leave. Because that's not love. <laughs> That's not a relationship. And so he gives us the choice. Of, is, is this a home that you want to have for yourself? Or will you find your home somewhere else? 
St. Augustine was the great early church leader in about the, the fourth and fifth century is when he lived and wrote. And for the first few decades of his life, he made his home in anything but God. He made his home in success. He made it in sex. He made it in education. These were his home. But then later on, after becoming a follower of Jesus, becoming a Christian, he famously wrote that you have made for us, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. I think for our purposes today, we can alter his quote just a little bit. I don't think he'd complain. And we could say that our hearts are homeless until they find their home in you. Because ultimately, when we're home, we're at rest, aren't we? Our worries, our striving, our fears are gone. And so we have an opportunity to make our home in Jesus, that we don't have to be homeless. And if you find yourself homeless today, I wonder, where has your search for home led you in your life? What are the homes that you've taken on that you found unsatisfying? See, Jesus speaks of a heavenly father who is always waiting to welcome us home. He tells the story of a son who left his home in Luke 15. The son spits in his father's face. He takes up his inheritance and he leaves for a far off country. And whenever I hear this story, I always wonder, why doesn't the father go after his son? Jesus had just talked about the shepherd who leaves the 99 for the one. Why doesn't the father go after him? I think he doesn't do it for the same reason that God didn't chase Adam and Eve. Because the father knew that the, home had, that the son had left home long before he asked for his inheritance and ran down the road. The son had already left home long before he packed his bags. And so the father gives him the dignity and the respect of honoring that and says, then go. And God does that with us too. And you know the story of what happens to the son. He, he goes to a far off land. He spends all of his money quickly and he finds himself worse than the pigs. And and where he's working, and he he reasons, if I can, if when I when he gets to the end of his rope, he he comes home hoping, if I can just convince my father to make me a servant, the lowest person in the entire household, well then, then I can at least have a sliver of the home I once used to know. And Luke tells us that while he was still a long way off. His father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him. So the father ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. This is the father chasing after his son. As long as the son is running away from him, the father at best will stand and watch, but he will stand and watch. He will wait and watch. And when that moment comes that that son turns around, then the father in this story, this first century Jewish father does the most undignified thing that a Jewish man would do. Jewish men in first century would never run. But he picked up his tunic and started running across the town. You know why he did this? Because there was a custom in the day that the villagers, if they knew that a son, an heir, had squandered his wealth like this guy did and tried to come back to town, then they would go outside the village and they would block him and they would shame him and they would say, you have no place here because you've already left this home. And so the father runs out to beat the villagers to his son. And he wraps his arms around him. 
And he gives him three things. The father places a robe over the son's shoulders, a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Three things that would say to his son and to all of the villagers who might've been standing there watching, this is no servant of mine. This is my son. That he has all of the rights and all of the dignity and all of the privileges and all of the honor that any son of mine could ever have because this son was dead but now he's alive. This son was lost, but now he's home. That's what Jesus does for us. It doesn't matter where your search has taken you, that Jesus lets you choose your own path, but he never stops waiting for you. He watches from the front porch, and when you turn back, he runs out to meet you. He throws his arms around you, and he says, welcome home. The question is, Have you made your home in Jesus? Have you found your home with him? And maybe you did once, but then you left and a lot of life has happened. But today you find yourself in this far off country and you find yourself wondering if there is a father who will welcome you back home. Maybe you've never come home. Maybe you've never experienced the shelter and the security, the significance, the future that God guarantees us, that he gives us. It won't look the way that we want it to, but it's full. It's unmistakable. It's unmatchable. And you've never experienced that. You've never been welcomed back to the home that we lost You've never experienced the eternal home that Jesus makes possible for us, not just someday, but today, that we get to be home now. That's what a relationship with Jesus is. It's us being welcomed back to the home that we lost, being welcomed into the eternal home that we long for. Someday, friends, you can be home. But today, through Jesus leaving his home and being born into the world, that home has come to you and it's come to me. And we don't experience that home simply by coming to church or celebrating Christmas or or even just by believing in God. We experience that home when we say to Jesus, Jesus, will you make your home in me? Will you move into my heart? Will you move into my life with all of your grace, with all of your truth, with all of your forgiveness? Will you be so at home that I give you permission to move the furniture of my life around? And will you live here? Will you walk with me every day of my life? This is the home that Jesus wants us to experience. And I pray that you will. Lord, what a truth. The core of Christmas is that you are with us. There was a day when you were and walked this earth. There is a day when you will be again, when you come back and we have that eternity with you, the revelation speaks of that the Lord will be with his people and the people with their God. But we can experience that right now. And so we thank you that you've, you allow us to invite you to make your home in us. Jesus, it's, I'm, it's not lost on me that when you came to earth, you made your home in a place that ultimately didn't, wouldn't have you there. You laid your first night, and the first night you laid your head in a manger, not a crib. You lived in exile. You were ridiculed out of your hometown. You hung on a cross. 
you did this so that we would find our home in you. And so I pray this morning for anyone who desires that, that right now they would just say with me, Jesus, will you come into my heart? Would you make your home there with me? Or for anyone who's longing to come back home, who's left, that they long to feel your embrace for the robe of your forgiveness to be draped over them and to hear the word spoken over them, welcome home. We thank you that you left your home in heaven so that we could. And it's in your name that we pray. And friends, if you agree with any of these things, would you say amen? Amen.